Hi, this is Frida Payne, and you're listening to Follow Your Dream podcast, hosted by the one and only Robert Miller. Everyone has a dream. Robert Miller is a musician who had a dream to become a rock star. He followed his dream, and he succeeded. If you're ready to pursue and succeed at your dream, then listen up and get inspired and motivated to take action today. Welcome to the Follow Your Dream podcast. Hi, everybody. Welcome to another episode of the Follow Your Dream podcast. I am Robert Miller, your host. We are in for a real treat today. My guest is Sarah Class, one of Britain's most sought-after composers. She has scored music for film, TV, and concerts. She's also a producer, a songwriter, and a singer. This lady does it all. Her work was noticed by none other than Sir George Martin, the Beatles' legendary producer, and he became her mentor, and we must discuss that. She has three Emmy nominations, a Classical Brit Award nomination, a number one album, and a Best Score Award. And she's an ambassador for the World Land Trust, which we will talk about. How about all of that? And in the second half of this episode, like I do with all my musician guests, we are going to do a song fest where I've asked Sarah to give me a couple of her best works. We're going to play them and talk about them and get the backstories. And nobody else does this on podcasts. It's going to be great fun. My featured song in this episode, which you're hearing underneath the introduction, and you'll hear it at the end. And I always have a featured song in each episode. And in this one, I chose my song called Spring Dance. It's from the PGS, the Project Grand Slam album of the same name. I thought of this song immediately when I was listening to one of Sarah's works that we will be playing in the Songfest portion of this episode. And that work is called Rhythm of the Earth. Because after all, what's a more appropriate rhythm of the earth than a spring dance? So Sarah Class, welcome to the Follow Your Dream podcast. Oh, thank you, Robert. It's lovely to be here. I'll tell you, you know, you, you've done so much in your life so far. You kind of reminded me, I hope you'll take this as the compliment I mean it to be. You kind of remind me of like John Williams, who is such a wonderful composer, you know, out of the United States. And uh, it seems like you're on track to replicate his success. Well, I just wish that if John was busy, Steven Spielberg would give me a quick call. <laughs> I, I greatly admire uh, John Williams. Yes, if I if I could do some work on that scope, you know, big movies would be wonderful. I mean, I do some movies, but it's it's just he does. He is so prolific and. Uh, yeah, it's just amazing what he does. He is a remarkable man. I live in Western Massachusetts, and we have a festival that goes on each summer at a place called Tanglewood. And John Williams is more or less the resident composer at Tanglewood. I think he's close to 90 or so at this point. I mean, oh. he's not a spring chicken, but he's out there every summer conducting the Boston Symphony Orchestra and they do a special John Williams night, which is just spectacular. Oh, that's amazing. 
I went to Tanglewood once and I really wanted to meet John Williams, but I, I didn't get to meet him, but I met his editor at the time, a guy called Ken Womberg. I don't know if you've come across Ken Womberg. I don't know him. It was years ago. Um, yes, and I just thought, what a beautiful place to, you know, be a musician. It's a lovely place. Next time you're at Tanglewood, let me know and we'll burst in together and we'll find Oh, them. I'd okay? love that. <laughs> I'd love that. All right. So I like to ask certain of my guests, and you're one of them, tell me about what your dream was when you were a little girl. Did you always want to be a musician? Did you want to be a composer? I did always want to be a musician. It started off because uh, my father got me on the piano when I was really young. And, and I think I naturally composed, but I didn't realize that I could do it for a living. I, I thought initially I wanted to be like those, you know, young musician of the year, you know, where, they, where they're just a performer, an amazing pianist, because I was so inspired by piano music. And then I wanted to be a jazz pianist, probably from, from the age of about 11. And I, all the time I, I recorded, and sorry, not recorded, but I composed music and wrote music. And I suppose it really was always about jazz. And then suddenly it's like, ah, you know, I love doing music. And then I found a, a course, a degree course that actually specialised in a lot of recording, you know, so um, in the studio. And, and I think that's what made me think, well, actually, I love doing this. I never realised you could actually be a composer until I saw that people did music for TV and they they scored for, the, for films. And I thought someone has to do that, you know. You must have been a very hip kid if you were into jazz when you were 11 years old, okay? Yeah. Well, yes, I think it was because they, you know, there were some, there was something on the radio um, that my parents sometimes listened to. And I mean, my parents always listened to classical music, but there was something, I think it was jazz record requests or jazz, something like that. And I just, I really wanted to be, I, I really liked this boy at school and he um, was the most amazing uh, jazz pianist, more in this, more of Scott Joplin and, you know, um, Fats Waller kind of style and Oscar Peterson. I just wanted to play like that. I mean, I have very small hands, so uh, a little bit of a handicap to start with, but I, I practiced because I liked him so much, you know, I wanted to impress him. <laughs> um, yeah, did, so did it that, that's where it started. Yeah, did it, it, it helped. It, <laughs> <laughs> well, no, you know, he. I think he liked the older girls. He wasn't interested in, you know. Uh, what a mistake <laughs> he made, huh? <laughs> yes, exactly. All right. So I, I have to get on to the whole George Martin thing, because, look, I grew up during what we call the British invasion era. OK, when all those great English groups came to the United States, that's when I came of age musically. So I adored all of them. And of course, the Beatles were at the top of the pyramid. And to know somebody that is as close to or was as close to George Martin as you are, that's pretty cool from my standpoint. Tell me about how you met him and uh, your relationship with him. Uh, well, my first agent at the time, he was also doing music supervision for films. So he was getting orchestras and things together. And, and he happened to do something for George Martin at Air Studios, Air Lindhurst in, in Hampstead in London. And um, I think somebody from there, I think it must have been George's um 
well, he ended up ma managing me as well, um, Adam Sharp at the time, was looking for somebody to help George sort of take over some of the work that George didn't want to do, um, either arranging or producing or anything like that. And and um, they went through all the CDs and and picked mine. And it was it was amazing, really, because it was a dream come true. That was this is perfect for your program because I, I remember standing in the kitchen of my of the house that I used to live in just thinking and saying out loud actually to my partner at the time I said I wish I could meet and work with George Martin I just said it like that and but <laughs> not, but it was like all the gods aligned <laughs> um and this yes the opportunity came to come up to, to I had to go meet him and uh, I remember we were sitting in a little office upstairs at Air Studios above, which actually I think is now going to be the cafe and it's all being renovated. And I went back, by the way, when I when I recorded Resonate, the album. So uh, I've got many memories of that. And we sat together around this table. There was Giles Martin, George's son, Adam and, and George. And, and I had brought some cake with me. For, for tea I mean actually they've got a really great canteen and a great chef that makes great cakes <laughs> at the time for some reason I bought this fruit cake and what struck me first when I first met him that he just has the most wicked sense of conspiratorial humor <laughs> uh, well it felt like that with me anyway and uh, he's, he's very sharp very bright and very direct um, and I really appreciated that because I'm that kind of a very direct kind of person myself. So, yeah. He was an extraordinarily talented man. I always thought of him as the fifth Beatle. If it wasn't for him, there's so much of their music that would not have come out as brilliantly yes, as it did. Exactly. And um, I, I, I love the stories about how, you know, when the Beatles were being taken around by Brian Epstein to all the record labels, 17 record labels passed on them. Can you imagine that? Gosh, I didn't know Until that. Until George Martin finally said, I'll give him a shot. But I fell in love with the group, and I, I was intrigued by the sound, the sound of the guitars and the, the bass guitar and, and drums. And uh, it's something that we're so used to now, but in 1962, it was a comparatively new sound. Ah, that's amazing. I, I didn't realise that, that. So it was George at the end. So, yeah, well... I'm glad he did, because what happened? <laughs> That's right. I would have had a very empty record collection if he hadn't <laughs> yeah, done that. Me too. I mean, I was always a Beatles fan. I just, uh, uh, there's something so, um, I don't know, gets you the heart in the heart with, with the Beatles. And I don't know whether it's just, I'm discussing this with a friend of mine, Kate, who, who absolutely loves them. Um, and she's a met, met a couple of them. And she, we were just saying that, cry you know of the of the crowds in the stadiums it was like just a sort of you know it was it was a, it was an era it was a cry of an era wasn't it, it that was. the, the way the sh they're all crying and, and 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 shouting out and i don't know it's, it's very emotional well for us in the u.s it's like our world began when the beatles we're on this show called The Ed Sullivan Show, which you may have heard of. Yeah, definitely heard of it. The Ed Sullivan Show. Thank you very much. Ladies and gentlemen, The Beatles. Let's... Close your eyes and It was a famous show that went throughout the country. It was on on Sunday evenings. 
when they appeared, I think it was the largest audience ever on television up until wow. that time. And, and people like myself and millions of others, from Billy Joel to you name the, the artist, really, that was the beginning of their career right from that moment. So it was very cool that you, you worked with, um, with George Martin. And I also wanted to ask about somebody else that you've had an affiliation with, the Prince of Wales. <laughs> yes. We don't have too many princes in the United States. So always interesting to hear about somebody that's been talking with and working with the Prince of Wales. So tell us a little bit about that. Well, that was a very interesting thing because I, um, as you probably know, quite into conservation, environmental planetary issues and trying to help through my music um and i do what i am ambassador for Worldland trust and at the, the at the time i was just thinking um i was talking to them about doing a piece of music which became resonate for them um but i suddenly read about terracotta the his royal highness's terracotta project and sustainable markets project which is all about the value of nature and placing nature as the I suppose the engine of our economy is putting it in the center of our economy in the private sector. Um, and it's getting people to invest in renewables in, into not just carbon balance, um, but there's these companies that, that the Prince of Wales is supporting via Bank of America and other sponsors to help them, to help them um, develop their sustainable solutions to the to the issues that you know in all sorts of areas there's an incredible biodegradable plastic that i think it it, it biodegrades in 350 days and goes back into the earth and is really good for the earth um, there's all sorts of people all around the world um, so i thought this was amazing and i wrote to him i don't know why but i just felt compelled to write to him and explain that that i have done a lot of music for um, you know worldland trust and to lending my music to the campaigns. And I, I said, I believe very strongly that music uh, and the power of music um, can get the message of conservation across. Um, and I felt this is something I could offer. And, and if there was any way I could help with Terracotta, then I would be really happy to do so. And um, I sent him three CDs. I sent him my previous one, Natural High, uh, the BBC Africa series, which is quite you know a big series over here. And this Aurora Cantamish, which is a choir album. You wrote him an actual letter, like, you know, yeah, Dear Prince? It did, yes, it was Dear Sir. <laughs> <laughs> and I, I, I and I put it in the, in the little post box at the end of the road, and I completely forgot about it. I didn't even think about it because I, I suppose it was a, a, you know what it's like when you're playing music or you're writing music. It's a, it's a, it can be a heaven sent thing. Yes. yes, it absorbs you. It comes through you and goes, right, okay. And so... I was delighted, excited, utterly shocked when I got a letter um, and an email from his office actually saying that I had a letter in the post, but the letter was also in the email saying that uh, His Royal Highness would very much like to talk about things further and um, perhaps you could give our office a ring and the letter should be in the post, which it was. Did you save the letter? I've got the letter. Yes. Have you like you know put it up on the wall or something like that? <laughs> well, it's up on my speaker actually at home, um, <laughs> my little studio, and yes, just agreeing with me about the about how music can get the message of conservation over. And would it be? Um, oh, I, I explained also that 
um, he opened my school when I was a teenager, uh-huh. um, which was amazing. And he said he was so shocked I even remembered it. <laughs> um, so it was just great. And he said that he would love a theme tune for Terracotta. And then I discussed with his office at COP, about COP26 and whether Terracotta should have the theme tune in readiness for that. So I started getting very inspired. I wrote it in my studio first with, with you know, Logic and my samples, you know, my um, computer-based program. And then I sent it to him. He really loved it. Did he know your music before you had gotten in touch with him? I, d- I don't know. I don't think so, but who knows? I mean, think about it. It's amazing. He opens the envelope. You've got a few CDs in there. It actually gets to him, okay, because you've probably got 10 gatekeepers before anything gets to him. And then he must have listened to it, too. That's fantastic. He must have listened to it. I know. I, it, it is amazing. I just think it was a um, just a most beautiful miracle that, that it did get through to him and he listened. Um, and, yeah. Did you send the package to the Queen as well? Done that. Why not? You know, maybe get the rest of the family. <laughs> <laughs> well, is um, you know, it, it is it is an amazing thing, and I suppose it was just meant to happen and meant to be. So, tell us what it means to be an ambassador to the World Land Trust. Well, what it means is to, for me, practically, is to to raise awareness of their work um, through my music. So they've used the music for my last couple of albums um, for two of their campaigns. One of them was the Choco Forest uh, in Ecuador, and it was saving the last 2%. So Worldland Trust, if you don't know about them, they buy up land. They, they, it's a charity. They, they buy land with the charity funds with their partnership organizations around the world. And they've saved, um, I think, over 2.5 million acres of land around the world and the habitats, rainforest and other natural habitats. So all the animals are also preserved. And so I've, you know, I've done some gigs. I've, I've, you know, donate um, proceeds from my music, from the composing and from that every year. I I usually work on, I've last two years, I've worked on Big Match Fortnite where big investors will double the funds that anybody puts in. So that's brilliant because that means if, You've put a hundred pounds and you've you've suddenly raised two hundred and that that will buy you um I think a hundred pounds is an acre of land in South America. A thousand pounds is about uh, you need a thousand pounds for an acre of land in India. It's different, but but you know it, it goes where it's supposed to go. That's what I love about them. It's lovely to do good as well as doing your music, huh? Yes, it makes you feel glad of you know makes your heart feel good. I can imagine. Hey, everybody. My Follow Your Dream handbook is an Amazon number one bestseller. It's a combination memoir of my unique musical journey and a step-by-step how-to for you to follow and succeed at your dream. It's available at Amazon and wherever books are sold. Check it out today. All right. I want to get to the second half of this interview, which is our song fest. And you have this new album out called Resonate, which you've mentioned a couple of times. And we've picked out some songs from that album. And I have to tell you, I love the songs. I really do. Oh, thank you. So the first one that we're playing right now is called Rhythm of the Earth. Why don't you? I love that title, too, because, you know, it does really capture the fact that there is a rhythm of the earth 
of the of the planet of the inhabitants of the planet it's just a wonderful image So tell us about Rhythm of the Earth. Well, Rhythm of the Earth, I felt, because it was a theme for terracotta, uh, and I thought, well, what, what do we need? What, what do we need in the world? And it's about unification, really. It's about unification. It's about the fact that we're all connected and, and that the world is this living organism that is breathing. We're breathing. Everything's breathing. Everything is... Um, connected. And it's, it's really about that. And I wanted people to feel empowered about the environment and about what, what we can do and unified rather than feel helpless and, you know, feel they can't do anything. So because I feel I think I really feel that we can and if we act now before it's too late, um, we can come together. So it's about that, really. That's what I wanted to get for Terracotta. Well, it's a beautiful melody. It's a beautiful work. And I congratulate you on that. Oh, thank you. Okay, so the second one we're going to be listening to now is called Resonate. And this is the one that has the solo cello in it, isn't it? Mm. And, you know, one of the reasons I brought up John Williams at the beginning is because I thought of the solo cello portion of Schindler's List music that John Williams had done when I heard this, and it just made an association for me.
So let's talk about this a little bit. That's a lovely association. In fact, do you know that is probably one of my favourite pieces of music of John Williams. And the cello is such an expressive instrument. Um, I, I I wrote it at a time when last year when my father was quite ill, so I was really emotional about that. He's thankfully so much better now. He's he's fine now, mm. but we're all very worried. And and it was also. I wanted to feel with, it's for Wildland Trust. It's about saving this beautiful area of, of Guatemala called Laguna Grande, which is home to so many migratory birds and wildlife. Um, it's a beautiful beach and there's, there's wetlands and, and marshes and, and rivers. And uh, I wanted it to have that essence of drama and emotion um, to to make people feel like they really have to care about this, you know, this special place. Uh, so it was all of those things bound up. Well, I I think you got the uh, the emotion for sure. And you're right. the The cello is such an expressive instrument. I was raised not on classical music, but rather on rock and roll. And then I went into jazz myself. My first real association with the cello came from, of all people, Jack Bruce of Cream, who played the cello on several of their pieces. heard it at first I didn't really know what the instrument was going to sound like and then I looked into it more and it's become one of my favorite instruments yeah. everywhere and speaking of Tanglewood uh, Yo-Yo Ma plays at Tanglewood every year and you know oh, he's just lovely. extraordinary I would love to work with him one day all right well, when you come to when you come to Tanglewood <laughs> in addition to John Williams we'll set you up with Yo-Yo Ma oh, that would that? Be good. <laughs> <laughs> all right so the third song that we're going to listen to it was a little bit different. This is Blackbird, uh, which is a vocal song. Tell us a little bit about this. Uh, well, I wrote Blackbird. Um, I suppose we're back to nature again. I, I love the Blackbird song. Uh, I, I just find it it's so beautiful. And that Blackbirds are really character characterful. <laughs> but it's not just about that. It's really, it's about the spirit of nature. It's about the, um, 
the hidden vibration that we all feel and I think is so healing to us all um, when we go out in nature we don't always know why we feel that way whether it's because we're just seeing green or we're feeling the it's the negative ions isn't it that um and the oxygen in the air that make us feel really good but there's this very elemental special spiritual energy i think in nature which is probably part of the reason it makes us so feel so whole when we're by the sea or on the mountain or in the woods is that you singing on this by the way yes okay lovely vocal Oh, thank you. I, I, I keep practicing. <laughs> <laughs> I, I was just wondering, you know, Paul McCartney, of course, wrote a very famous song called Blackbird. And I was yeah. wondering if there was any reason why you named this Blackbird. Was it any relationship to, to Paul's song of any kind? No, it, it isn't. But, but subconsciously, it is one of my favorite songs. And I, I didn't. Yeah, I don't know why. It, the, but the Blackbird. And, and, and I'm sure that this is different for obviously the Beatles song with Paul McCartney's song, but Blackbird is supposed to be the only bird that crosses between the physical existence and the spiritual. Um, it's, it's supposed to cross into two um, through, through the veil of, of the two parts of life, you know, physical and spiritual. And I, I do love Blackbird and I, I like playing that on the guitar, but no, it wasn't supposed to be any kind of, copy but just well I think you know I love that song as well and perhaps I should have called it something different <laughs> I, I mean, he, he, he'll probably get be getting my royalties <laughs> hopefully you'll get his royalties so. <laughs> <laughs> it probably won't work the other way around <laughs> okay so tell us what is on the agenda for Sarah class at this point going forward well, I'm just about to start a 10-part series for National Geographic. So it's a, it's a co-production between the States and um, a, a Bristol company called Wildstar. And uh, yes, we're just gearing up for that. And I'm writing it with um, another composer. So we're doing, you know, sharing the load. That's probably going to go on for a while. And then uh, I'm releasing the Blackbird video in a couple of, probably a couple of weeks for that song. And possibly, well, I I'm definitely going to do it, but I'm not sure exactly when, but I'm doing a dinosaur animation feature. So that'll be very interesting. You're keeping very active. Has the pandemic slowed you down at all? Yes, it did for two. Well, it didn't as far as writing my albums, because I, I, um, I didn't do, you know, TV or film because of course nobody could really work at that point. And, those all the projects that I had lined up were still in filming, um, so they couldn't film for a bit. But yes, I, I was doing my the last two albums. So I think if I hadn't, if the pandemic hadn't happened, I wouldn't have d explored this more. It's kind of authentic side of the music that I'm writing, which is really I feel I, I stopped worrying about the genre and just just kind of put it all together you know because as you can probably you've heard about you've heard the album so you know it's a bit of a mixture you know yes and I was always worried whether I should be one or the other so no 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 do exactly as you've been doing <laughs> variety is the spice of life and I feel that way in music as well and it's interesting as you point out you know during the pandemic some people I think you're one of them and I was one of them as well you almost get more creative during this period because you're limited in terms of where you can go and what you can do. 
And you just have to start thinking about what else is there that I can create or do during that period. I started the podcast during the pandemic. I wrote yeah. a book during the period. I, I recorded two albums remotely during the pandemic. Not that I was trying to take advantage of it. It's just that that's, you have to adjust, right? But it would you'd never have done your podcast. You'd never written the book and, and all of these amazing things. It's just actually you've got that to thank. You know, have to look at the positives. <laughs> I can thank COVID for the fact that we've met. How's that? <laughs> I'm going to thank COVID for that. <laughs> All right. We have been talking with Sarah Class. It's been absolutely delightful to speak with you and uh, so nice. And I wish you all the great success with everything that you're doing, all these wonderful uh, movies and TV shows and the like. I'm so jealous. That's so wonderful that you're doing this. And we're now going to listen again to the song that started out the podcast. This is my song called Spring Dance. And I want to thank you for listening. And we will see you in the next episode. Thanks for listening to the Follow Your Dream podcast. Make sure to subscribe, rate, and review the podcast so you don't miss another inspiring episode. You can connect with Robert at robert at followyourdreampodcast.com. And you can hear more from his band projectgrandslam.com and at thepgsstore.com.